We're going to start in the book of James. I know we just read from the book of James, but we're going to go right after where we left off at uh, right before our offering. That's where we're coming to again, James 4. This is a, just a wonderful time to be alive, isn't it? It's not the dark ages. It's not, it's not some pre, some time where we were Gentile nations before Jesus came along and we weren't part of the chosen. Thank God. We're, we're in a beautiful time to be alive. This great awakening, this great harvest time, this great end time that the scripture's been prophesying for ages and centuries. We're, we're living in it and able to see, yes, great darkness, but also great glory. And so in James chapter 4, sorry, James chapter 3, I said James 4. You'll find James 4 is probably on the same page. We're going to James 3 and verse 13. Most of you know in James chapter 1, there is a section of the scripture that says, if there's any one of you that lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives freely without reproach. Wow. Isn't that, isn't that a beautiful promise? A wonderful promise is that anybody who lacks wisdom, he doesn't say, if any of you lack wisdom, you probably shouldn't be teaching. He doesn't say, if anyone lacks wisdom, I hope that you're not a leader. He doesn't say, if anyone lacks wisdom, well, then you'll probably be, uh, you know, you probably won't do as well in the kingdom of God. He says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all freely and without reproach. That means you don't get in trouble for asking. You don't get, uh, you don't get rejected. You don't get, uh, you don't get in any sort of, uh, you know, payment plan where you now owe God something. He freely gives it and does not reproach you for asking. The only way you could be dumb is to never ask. A fool never asks. I say anyone in the kingdom of God, doesn't matter what your IQ is, doesn't matter what your level of education is, you can be wise if you'll just ask the Lord. Solomon was not the greatest king I was not the wisest king the world has ever seen because uh, David taught him well. He wasn't the greatest. He wasn't the wisest king, wisest man the world has ever seen because he had the best teachers. He was the wisest man because he asked of the Lord, God, give me a hearing heart or an understanding heart. And God granted that prayer and gave him wisdom. With wisdom came riches. With wisdom came honor. With wisdom came all these other things. But God said because he didn't ask for those things, he was going to get them. He asked for wisdom. Wisdom does not just necessarily mean knowledge. In fact, uh, you'll see several times in the scripture, wisdom and knowledge are, are named at the same time because they're not the same. Knowledge is something that you have. It's knowing things. It's knowing, uh, knowing about things, knowing of things. Wisdom is the ability to put knowledge in action. It's the, it's the ability to administrate that knowledge, to gather it, to know where it comes from, to sort it, and to use it. That's what wisdom is. You've got knowledge. You may have knowledge in different areas. Uh, I've met a lot of people who are well-educated and have a lot of facts, but don't have a lick of wisdom. 
They don't know how to use the knowledge they have. <laughs> I mean, you've met some pretty, of course, you've, we've probably all met some pretty smart, dumb people. I mean, just some, some people that, that know a lot, but they don't seem to know how to use that knowledge, that, that they're lacking in wisdom. Then we also understand that there is a wisdom that comes from God and there's a wisdom of this world, and they don't get along too well. What does Romans 1 tell us about? Romans 1 tells us that, that God created all these things. His, his nature, His divine attributes were present in creation. He says, but then men stopped giving Him thanks, stopped recognizing Him, and instead started worshiping the wrong things. They started looking at the created as the important thing and not the Creator. And it says that God gave them over to the futility of their minds. What does futility mean? It's useless, it's pointless, it's without power. Right? That's what futility is. It's not doing you any good. He turned them over to the futility of their minds. In other words, they've got the science. They don't know what it means. And they start worshiping the created in every culture. There is a worship. Every culture that, that had, had before they'd come to God or, or even if they've rejected God, then what you see is an elevated of, elevation of created things. And you go, well, that's paganism. It's not in our culture. People don't worship trees. They don't worship flowers or plants here. They don't worship the sun or the moon. Oh, but they worship created things all the time. If it's, if it's the almighty dollar, it's an idol. It's, 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 it's become a, a point of worship. If it's, if it's mother nature, thank God for nature. But the Bible doesn't ever call nature mother nature. There is one Father, and He is Father over all. He is the source of life. The earth is not the source of your life. The sun is not the source of your life. I'm sorry that you may, you may get things from the earth, but that's because of the Father. The Father has given you those things, and He's used His creation to do it. But you do not thank the creation. You do not owe the creation. You thank the Father. For he's the creator of all things. So when we understand that, yes, we do take care of the creation he's put us in charge of. We do. We're good stewards of what he's given us. But we don't give honor to the creation. We give honor to the creator. And you have a different understanding of it. And so we, we know that, uh, uh, that, that the world in its wisdom has really gone off track because it's a different type of wisdom. Here's what James says. Who among you is wise? This is verse 13 of chapter 3. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So if you're so wise, if you're so understanding, prove it. (laughs) Because wisdom is not just about smarts. It's about application. He says this, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, That could otherwise be translated as strife. If you have bitter jealousy and strife in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. The wisdom, that this wisdom, so that wisdom that's that's really just self-serving, it puffs you up, it's it's there to promote you. He says, This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but it is earthly. So what does that mean? It did not come from God. It's a wisdom that instead of coming from up there, came from down here. It, when, when we say from God and earthly, we're talking about points of origin, right? If it came from God, that's where it started. That's where it came from. If it came from him, it's automatically good. 
Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow. There's never been a bad thing come from up there. If it comes from here, it's already littered with all the issues that earth things have. It's coming from the wrong place. It's not a good source. It's like getting your drinking water from the sewer. It matters where it came from. I hope it matters where it came from to you. (laughs) You can collect rainwater, but you don't usually collect mud puddle water. It matters where you collected it from, right? If it hasn't been purified, at least. And so here we understand that this wisdom that he's talking about, it doesn't come from above, but it came from the earth. That's important because they're both called wisdom. And some people don't know the difference. But one's a real wisdom and one's kind of a fake wisdom. This wisdom, so it came, is earthly, it's natural. What does that mean? Does that mean it's organic? No. What it means is it's sensual. That means it's driven by the senses. It is determined by what you can see, touch, hear, smell, taste. It's all driven by senses. Now you understand you are a spirit. You're not, you're not a beast. You are a spirit who lives in a body. And, and you understand that your home is not earth. Your home is in heaven. Your, Jesus said you came from the, when you're born again, you are of God. First John says we are of, you are of God, little children. Everything that is born of God overcomes the world that is of the world. John chapter 8, Jesus says, you're from below. I'm from above. And it matters where you came from. So we understand that somebody who is still living by the flesh is living by the senses. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about that. And you imagine what would happen if you blindfolded yourself, and I, I mean, I blindfolded you, spun you around a few times, told you to go find the officer, told you to go find Barry at the sound booth there, what would you do? You wouldn't go there very fast, would you? But you'd be feeling your way around, just trying to figure out where you were by what you could feel. If I told the audience to be quiet, that wouldn't, they couldn't help you, and you're just, you'd stumble around, there'd be obstacles that you'd trip over, and it'd take you a long time. You may never get to bury. But if I took the blindfold off and you could walk and just see where you're going, you'd get there, you'd go around the obstacles, you'd know where you're going, you'd go straight there. You wouldn't be discouraged because you can see your destination. You can see how to get there. See, when you live by the Spirit, that's living with your eyes open. That's knowing where you're going. That's seeing where you're going. That's what God created you. He opened your eyes. We were dead but he made us alive together with him and seated us in heavenly places. So what that means is that before you walked in darkness, one who walks in complete darkness, what do you do? You feel around, you stumble around, you trip several times, you hurt yourself, you feel around, you move very slowly. But when the lights are flipped on, you go straight to where you're going and you know where you're going. You don't just end up somewhere. You don't just end up at the path of least resistance. You know exactly where to go. But see, that's what happens when we were made alive with him is that our eyes got open. We saw what really was. The ladies at GCW uh, have just been reading a book called New Creation Realities. It was written 
oh my goodness, it's amazing to think it was written <laughs> so early in, it was written, what, 19, Miss Tina's going to tell me. So somewhere between 1867 and 1948, this book was written. It's amazing to think it was written so far back. And so many things that seem like new revelation even today that, that we just go, wow, somebody knew that back then. But it's all from the word. It's not like some guy had a vision. It's, it just came straight from the Bible. <laughs> it's just stuff that got ignored for a while. And, and so they're in chapter 5 right now. One of the things that he talks about is the fact that Jesus showed us what reality was. That he was the way, the truth, the reality, and the life. And that you did not know what reality was until Jesus came along and showed you reality. It's like two-dimensional people who actually don't know there's a three-dimensional world. So God comes down. A three-dimensional God comes down in two-dimensional form to show us there's more than this. And this is what we're living in. A world that is different than we thought. We, we, we've discovered that, that there is a spiritual world and it turns out that that's the real world. <laughs> the Bible says that the things that are seen are temporary. But the things that you can't see are eternal. So what's more real? The eternal. The unseen is more real than what you can see. So, I mean, boy, when it says the wisdom that's from below, that wisdom that's earthly, it's natural, it's sensual. It's, it's driven by what you can see and feel. And that's all temporary. It's not even the real thing. It's not going to last. So the wisdom is flawed. And if you didn't get turned off to this type of wisdom by those first two words, the third one should do it. It is demonic. Which means... It carries the same nature and produces the same results as demonic things. It, it causes you to do demonic things. It causes you to think demonically. What does that mean? It causes you to think like, like Satan would want you to think instead of what God wants you to think. What does the scripture say in Colossians? It says that there, it says the rest of the world, it says, that they are, it says, before you got born again, you were living according to the course of this world. What does the course of this world mean? That means there was a path that everybody's on. It is the course of this world. And it, unless something happens, they will run that course. And it says, according to the course of this world, the second phrase used there is according to the prince of the power of the air. The ruler of this world, the God of this world, who's blinded the eyes so they may not see the light of the gospel. He, his course is the course of this world. So you may think the course of this world is, is, is just benign. There's no, there's no danger in it. But it is, if you're living according to the course of this world, which means the way everyone else is living, it's living according to the plan, not of God, but of the enemy. But it says you formerly were living that way. Good news for believers. That's not your life anymore. So it's according to the course of this world. And it says, indulging their fleshly desires. 
walking in darkness, indulging the desires of the flesh. So this is what happens when you walk according to the course of this world. You are walking according to the flesh. You're pleasing the flesh. You're living by the flesh. And he says the course of this world, living by the flesh, is according to the prince of power of the air. So it is demonic. And he says that that's what kind of wisdom comes from below. Boy, we treat it like it's such a nice thing. Like we got to communicate to people on their on their terms. Do you know God is relevant? Jesus is relevant to every culture, to every nation. Turns out he's offensive to every culture and every nation too. Even in his pure love, he's offensive. Because watch when he walked the earth, he came as a Hebrew, spoke the language, wore the clothes, ate the same food. And yet he offended his own culture, but was relevant to his culture. In the same way, Jesus presented to every culture. He speaks the language. He eats their food and some people love him and some people are offended and stumble over him. Jesus did not come using the world's wisdom. He came to open their eyes to a new wisdom. It says this. Verse 16, for where jealousy and strife or selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Boy, that that changes the way you look at your church life, doesn't it? Changes the way you look look at your work life. Where there's jealousy and selfish ambition, in other words, promoting yourself, trying to move yourself up the ladder. Boy, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Move yourself up the ladder? Isn't that what the world teaches us? That's what we're, that's, that's life, Right? Get yourself ahead. You've got to have some ambition, right? I'm ambitious, but I'm not selfishly ambitious, hopefully. I want to be kingdom ambitious. I want to be ambitious for his purposes and his plans. And I know that if I'm, purpose, I'm, if I'm humble and humble myself before God, which, thank God, he's helping all of us to do. If we humble ourselves, he exalts you. So it's you're ambitious, but you're ambitious for him. You're boastful, but you boast about him. But see, selfish ambition is promoting yourself, moving yourself up the ladder. And where that is, there is disorder and every evil thing. So we understand that disorder is not of God. And there will be disorder. Now think about it. Let's think about this in the terms of the church, in the terms of the body, right? We are assembled as God has called us to be assembled. He says the eye doesn't say to the ear this. The nose doesn't say this. We all need each other. We all honor each other. And we value each other. He says there are some members that the world sees no honor in. But God heaps more abundant honor upon them. There are some members that are not that flashy. They don't look good. There's some jobs that that just don't look like fun jobs. But God gives greater honor to those people. He heaps abundant honor unto them. So every part has a place. Every part has honor. And we're all working together, right? But the minute, say you're a kneecap and you go, but I've noticed I'm a kneecap. Well, I'm not a kneecap. Say I'm, say I'm a femur. All right? We all, we, we all can understand um, what it would be like to be a femur maybe. We can just picture it. All right, okay, I'm a femur. And uh, I'm doing my job and I help the body move and walk and run and jump and all of these things. But I, I start to notice that, that – uh, the body normally wears pants. No one's seeing the femur. And, and uh, you know who gets the most attention is that? Those eyes. The eyes, they get attention. I want to be the 
eyes. Or the hands, they get to play, they get to, they get to hammer, they get to, they get to be lifted up in the air. I mean, uh, when we praise the Lord, we don't lift our femurs up in the air, we lift our hands. And so the femur says, I, I want to be a hand. Well, that's selfish ambition. And you begin to promote yourself, well, you, everybody knows if God created you to be a femur, you're not going to make a very good hand. And there will be disorder. Because God has put order into the body. He has placed each member as he desires, the scripture says. As he desires, not as you, your grandma, or anybody else's desire, but he desired. And then it says, if, if we start getting out of that and moving back into the world's wisdom, the, God's wisdom says, his honor is a different type of honor. The one who wants to be great in my kingdom will be a servant. The world's wisdom says, promote yourself, get yourself ahead, put yourself out there. If you're not getting the limelight, someone else is. And it causes disorder and every evil thing. Every evil thing is not something to play around with, is it? This is like Pandora's box. And it comes from choosing what kind of wisdom you're going to listen to. What kind of wisdom you subscribe to? And guys, let me tell you straight up. You cannot live five days of the week walking by the world's wisdom and two days of the week walking by God's wisdom. It won't work. You can't run your business on earthly wisdom and then expect for the rest of your life to work on God's wisdom. God is calling us to a level where we walk in His wisdom all the time. With everything. And that causes you to do weird things in the business world. But it works. Because God is able to make things work. And Joseph was able to walk in the wisdom of God. And see all of Egypt and the surrounding regions fed when there was a famine. Daniel was able to walk in the wisdom of God. And be promoted in in multiple administrations through multiple kingdoms. Walking in the wisdom of God cannot work at the same time as walking in the world's wisdom. It's going to take a rewiring, but thank God you've got the Holy Spirit. Well, now that we've talked about the earthly wisdom, let's, let's get on the good part. The wisdom which is from above. The wisdom from above is first pure. Wow, isn't that cool? It's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable. Now, what does reasonable mean? It means conciliatory. Your, your margin may say willing to yield. That means the wisdoms from above is not hard-headed and stubborn. It's going to submit to others. It's going to make room for others. It's going to, uh, not, not that you're a doormat, not that you're a pushover, but the wisdom that's from above is not going to just say, I'm the only wise person in the room. It says it is full of mercy, full of mercy. Praise God. Do you know how big that is? Because I've prayed that God, as I grow in knowledge, may I grow in mercy. Because the more you know, the easier it is to judge. <laughs> Had you noticed that? Well, the, more you, the more you knew about God, the more he cleaned you up and placed you on a higher level, the more you noticed that's wrong. You, you begin to notice things just there are things that could be better. There are people that could be better. And yet he says the wisdom which is from above, even though you know more, even though you understand more, you have mercy. It is full of mercy. 
That means it's not going around finding fault. It's going around fixing fault and covering fault. What does the Bible say? Keep fervent in your love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. When we were at uh, Tia's church uh, one Wednesday night, uh, one of the Wednesday nights we were at her church, I, I spoke, and the other Wednesday night we just sat and received. And they were doing a video series, uh, perhaps you've heard of it, called Bait of Satan, which is talking, it's, it's been around for a long time, talking about offense and being offended and how that was the bait of Satan. And it, very, very good. We just caught the first week, but very good teaching. And he brought up a great point that... Uh, that often what offense comes from is, is it, comes, it comes along when you have a certain expectation from somebody. So you get offended in the church more often than in the world because your expectations for people in the church are higher, right? Easier to be offended because you have a higher expectation. Your expectation of the church than leaders in the church and then pastors, you know. So pastor could say very little to you and still be offended. And then, you know, your spouse, you've got very high expectations from them. So they could say something that if the guy at the coffee shop said to you, you wouldn't be offended. But if your spouse says it, you're offended. So he kind of left it at that. And I'm sure, I'm sure he probably gets into it later. But, you know, one of the things was that, that you could hear that and go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through life. All right, if that's the truth and that's how I get offended, I'm going to go through life just not having expectations. But that's not going to work. And that itself could offend somebody. They find out you don't expect anything. <laughs> I have no hope for you. Don't worry. I, you didn't offend me. I have no hope for you. I don't expect anything from you. <laughs> They're not going to go, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that to you. Oh, don't, don't worry. I don't expect you to say anything nice to me. Now, that doesn't, doesn't make them feel good, right? And we know that God, he says, I know, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good and not for evil. Give you future and hope. Right? He's got some expectations. But we miss those expectations sometimes, right? We miss the mark. People miss our mark, don't they? But then, what does it say? In one of the letters that Peter writes by the Holy Spirit, he says this. Keep fervent in your love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. What does that word mean? Sin basically means missing a mark. And when people miss your mark, love covers that. It's, you don't have to lower your mark. You, you lift up the love. And it fills in the gaps. And here's what he's saying. It is full of mercy. And good fruits. Wow. Wow. Talk about two words that, that, that aren't very big, but say a whole lot. Good fruits. If you've read the Bible, you know there's a lot that can be included in that. Unwavering. Wait a second. You said that, I, I, I thought we just said when, when we read reasonable, that reasonable meant willing to yield. And then you're telling me it's unwavering. How do those things match? Well, that unwavering I mean, you've got to understand what that means. That does not mean unwavering, like not giving anybody uh, any, any room. It doesn't mean uh, I'm right and I know I'm right because that's the wisdom from above. And so I know I'm always wise. I know I'm always right. That's not what it's talking about. It means impartial. 
You look it up in the original language, it means without showing partiality. It means it doesn't change from person to person. The wisdom which is from God doesn't pick favorites. The wisdom from God is the same, just like him, same yesterday, today, and forever, not a respecter of persons. The wisdom from God does not take bribes. The wisdom from God doesn't say, well, I, I, I show you extra favor because I like you more. The wisdom which is from God is consistent because it's pure. Then it says this, it is without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So if you want righteous fruit, how many of us want righteous fruit? You will sow it in peace and you'll be one who makes peace. So the wisdom which is from God is a different type of wisdom than the world. We find a whole lot about this in 1 Corinthians. In fact, let's just look at it real quick. 1 Corinthians, we find out they are two different animals. They're not even close to each other. The wisdom which is from God is totally different than the wisdom from the world. They often conflict. And we're going to look in verse 18. It says, For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness. Now, to the world, that means that's foolishness, the opposite of wisdom, right? A fool can still have knowledge. In fact, the Bible says a fool is known by his many words. He has many words because he thinks he has a lot to say. He thinks he has a lot to knowledge. But a fool is not someone without knowledge. A fool is someone without wisdom. You'll find that out in the book of Proverbs. A fool is somebody who has no, <laughs> no wisdom whatsoever. And the, the book of Proverbs says a fool says in his heart, there is no God. You could have the smartest, most educated person on the planet, but they say there is no God. They are a fool. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It is the beginning of knowledge, which God will also give you the wisdom to know how to use that knowledge. The first thing you got to know if you want to have real knowledge and real, real wisdom is the fear of the Lord, which means that that knowing who he is, that honoring him, that honoring his word and honoring his his opinion, his values, everything. The, that means that the first way to get smart is to align your worldview with his worldview. That's the best way to do it. Boy, the wisdom of God is a wisdom that sees things high, like God sees them. Now, we need to think of that when we say wisdom, when we say be wise. I am so, guys, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm a little bit tired of when people say, I want to be the voice of wisdom when you're, when you're trying to be the voice of faith. And they want to say, well, we need to, we all, we need to, someone needs to be the voice of wisdom here. And it's just the, the total downer thing to discourage your faith. Well, I believe I'm going to be, yes, but, but, but you need to use wisdom here. I understand <laughs> that sometimes people are foolish and say it's God. I understand that sometimes people are presumptuous in saying it's God. But you need to be really sure that you're not just coming against God. You're not just being the voice of earthly wisdom. <laughs> Natural wisdom, which goes by the senses, which goes... Dr. Oz wouldn't tell you to do that. If you don't know who that is, good for you. (laughs) 
Some, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've talked to somebody who's got, who's full of faith. They come out and they know I can do this. And someone says, well, you got to use wisdom too. Like wisdom is, is the anti-faith, the, the balance on the scales. No! Can you imagine going through Hebrews 11 being the voice of wisdom as the world would see it? Well, no, I, 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 I need to be the voice of wisdom here. You have to have a backup plan. What if it doesn't rain? You've wasted your life here. hate to be the voice of wisdom, but perhaps you're wasting your time. Well, Samson, I hate to be the voice of wisdom, but let me, I just need to be the voice of wisdom here. Probably not going to kill a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. I just need, let's just be wise here. Gideon, let's be wise. Let's use wisdom here. It's probably not that smart cutting people from the army. Not when they've got a bigger army. Let's be wise here. Let me just use some wisdom here. No, that's not wisdom. That's earthly wisdom. If it works, if it's, if it's countering what God has said, if it's countering faith, it's not wisdom, it's earthly wisdom. And that's totally different. Spiritual wisdom. So if you're going to say, oh, I want to be the voice of wisdom, then really be the voice of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is beginning of that wisdom. So the first thing you got to do is God is able. That's the smartest thing you could possibly say. Now, if you got somebody says, I believe God told me to jump off the roof and I'm going to fly. Well, maybe they need God's wisdom there that God did not tell them to do that. (laughs) But most of the time we say that it's our it's just our knee jerk reaction. We haven't asked the Lord whether they heard from God. We're not we're not checking our spirit. We're just checking our brain and our brains going warning signs. You can't do that. Hate to be the voice of wisdom, Peter, but if you walk on, if you jump out of the boat, you probably will drown. Just let's use wisdom here. Just use it. Okay, let's just use wisdom. Maybe God told you that. Why don't you take a life jacket just in case? Just using wisdom. That's not wisdom. That's just doubt. You got to know the difference, right? First Corinthians 3.18 says, or, sorry, one eighteen. For the word of the cross to those who are perishing is foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So real wisdom is powerful. It says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever. I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? The scribe is somebody who knew the scripture inside and out. Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? He's made it obsolete. He just made it look dumb. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, here's a big point, guys, did not come to know God. God was well pleased with the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. That means the wisdom of this world could not find the most important thing in the world. The wisdom of this world could not find God. So it's ultimately the dumbest thing. It's foolish, right? He says, through, through its wisdom, the world did not come to know God. So what did it count for? What's the point? Listen, I am a science fan. I love science. I believe we need more born-again scientists. We mean more of our kids wanting to grow up in these science. Listen, though. There is a science that glorifies the mind above God. And it's futile. It's pointless. But if I want to know, if I've got a favorite artist, 
and I want to study that artist. What's one of the ways I do it? Studying his art, right? I get to know him through his art. In the same way, Romans 1 says we, we could see God's attributes, his nature in his creation. So there is a way to be a scientist and be a worshiper by studying the creation and letting it glorify the creator. You go, wow, how great is our God? But you're, you got your priorities right. There is a way to be a scientist and say there is no God and make yourself out to be a fool. So the world in all its wisdom should have been able to look at these things and go, oh, there's God. But it didn't work. He says, for indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. So what does this mean? To the world, what you believe is the opposite of wisdom. Why? Because they're still walking in the darkness. To someone who's walking in the darkness, the smartest thing you can do is put your hands out and feel around. To someone who's walking in light, there's no need to put your hands out and feel around. And if you're walking in darkness, the one who's not trying to feel anything looks like an idiot. Don't you understand? If you walk around and you're not feeling around, you're going to fall into a pit. You're going to run into something and you go, you don't understand. I can see where I'm going. I can see the pit. I can see the obstacles. I know where I'm going. I don't have to feel around. They go, you're, you're just an idiot. Why are you doing that? Because they have to be led by their senses. You don't have to live that way anymore. There's a new way to live. Think about it, guys. I mean, don't you think this changed everything? Once we discovered that this world, what we can feel, see, touch, is the temporary thing, is the less real thing than the eternal that's the real thing. Don't you think that might change everything? I mean, that, that makes everything different. I'm not saying this world is just a game. We know it has great value. What you do in the world, at least, has great value. But to, it only has great value when you understand its place, that it is not the permanent thing. If you think it's the permanent thing, your goals are completely different. Because you will live for this world. You'll live for what you can gain in this life. But if you know this is the temporary thing and the eternal is the real thing, you'll live for the eternal thing. And that produces two different thoughts, two different human beings, two different ways of living. So you're going to look foolish to the rest of the world. But who would you rather look foolish to? The world or God? Right? This is not hard but you just have to get used to being the weird one. Right? Isn't that okay? Can't we all just be used to being the real, the little bit weird, you know? That doesn't mean you're weird and everything else. Doesn't mean you, you walk around, you dress weird, eat weird. You just have a different way of living. You're going for a different goal. You see what they can't see. It changes a whole lot. How different do you think we'd look how weird do you think we'd look to people in the Middle Ages constantly washing our hands and putting sanitizer on them and cooking our food, making sure that chicken never stays out of the fridge for too long. And they're like, what's wrong with you people? What's, why are you always washing your hands? They weren't even dirty. You just sneezed on them. And if anything, that made them cleaner. 
Because they didn't know there were germs all around. But when science showed us there were things we couldn't see, we started taking care of the things we couldn't see and realizing they were pretty important. And we don't, we don't look weird to each other using hand sanitizer and, and washing our hands and cooking our food and refrigerating our food. But we'd sure look weird to them. And they'd probably think they were smarter than you. But that's okay. Let them think that. Because <laughs> as long as we're living for him, it does not matter what they think. When the report card comes from him, that's all that matters. And Jesus said it very, I mean, it says it very purely in the, in the gospel of John. There were those that, that didn't confess him, that were ashamed of him, didn't say his name, didn't, didn't say they believed. And it says, for they love the approval of men more than the approval of God. And boy, is that the dumbest thing you could do. Here's what it says. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. What does that mean? That means every bit of wisdom you'll ever receive that's real wisdom is going to be wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in who Christ is. What does the scripture say? In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There is not one bit of wisdom that's outside of who Jesus is. He is the source. He is the fountain. He's the point in life. He's the hinge point of history. Nothing matters outside of him. So every bit of wisdom you ever have is going to be based on who Christ is and who I am in Christ. And my world is different because I know who he is. And so all of a sudden, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are open up. The, Paul prayed that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. I mean, he prayed that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In the knowledge of him. That's where wisdom's found. And wisdom cannot be separated from revelation because everything you know has to be unveiled and revealed to you by God. And when you live in a life of revelation, then you don't try to find things out by what you can feel, but you let God open your eyes to see what's really there. Yeah, you look dumb to some people, but to God, you're the only sane people walking the earth. And I mean, do, imagine what Elisha looked like when he, the city is surrounded by an army waiting to capture him. And he's not worried. That looks foolish. When his servant says they've come to get you, they sent a whole army to get you. He's not worried. The servant thinks he's crazy. Then what does he do? He says, Lord, open his eyes. And when the servant's eyes are open, he sees that there are a whole army, there's a whole army surrounding that's greater than the army of men. It's the army of God. And as way stronger, one of them could defeat that whole army. But God is a God of abundance and sends a whole army with chariots of fire and who knows what else. And they come and they blind the rest of the army. And what does Elisha do? He walks them right into Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. Walks them right into the walls because they said, where's Elisha? He goes, I'll take you to him. And they all blind 
following him and he leads them right into the enemy city, surrounds them with Israelite soldiers and then says, "Okay, open your eyes. Oops. We now who look dumb. Who look dumb now? Not Elisha. The blind army looked kind of silly walking into the enemy camp, disarmed, following the man they were supposed to capture. There'll be a day when the tables are turned and the world will see who really was silly looking. But that doesn't matter. Live to God, for God and through him and understand that he's the point. He's the purpose. He is the head. He is the reason. And God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise, make them look silly so that he who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Now, later on in chapter two, he says, because he said, we don't speak. We don't go out of our way to use fancy words, to use the world's wisdom. But he says, we do speak wisdom among the mature. And it's a wisdom that, that is based on what God has revealed to us about his, his, his will and the things freely given to us by God. That it comes only by the Spirit of God, which knows the heart of God and searches the depths of God. Chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians says this. Verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Barry, could you bring that verse 13 up in the English Standard Version? I want you to see what what I believe it to be a better translation of that that, uh, statement is because Really, if you see in your Bible, thoughts and words are just in italics. And a lot of scholars agree that a better translation of that scripture, a better translation of that verse, which really does go along later with it really, the reason I believe it is because it ties in exactly with what he says in chapter 3, is is this, and Barry's going to bring it up in a moment here. He says... So, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. So, human wisdom is wisdom that's natural, it's earthly, right? If it's earthly, it's natural, what is it? Demonic. If it's from above, it's godly, right? So, let me me just, um, we'll see, we're having a little technical difficulties back there, so that's all right. I'm going to... And I can see somebody already checked in at the workers. That's cool. <laughs> I mean, there are there are obeyers, and then there are fast obeyers. It's up, cool. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. So, what's the opposite of something that comes from human? Is the real wisdom is taught by the Spirit. You can't learn it on your own. It comes from God. Remember, he says it's the wisdom which is from above. It's got to come from above. You can't expect a different type of wisdom from the same source. It's got to come from a different source. But taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. That says to me this, that the wisdom of God has to be spoken by the Spirit of God, has to be received by the Spirit of God. That's why you can be a good preacher and still have 
people that don't get what you say. Not because you used weird words that they didn't understand, but because they're walking by the flesh. Jesus was the best preacher the world's ever seen. And many left him because they could not handle what he said. Because they're thinking fleshly. And when he says, you've got to drink my blood and eat my flesh, thinking fleshly, that's not a fun thought. So they leave. But thinking spiritually, you understand something greater and deeper. I said all this to to get you to this point. That it is so important that we search and, and trust that, as it says in 1 Corinthians 1, Christ has been made unto us wisdom. That means through the finished work of Jesus Christ, He has become wisdom for you. That no matter what your level of understanding is, you can be wise by the Spirit of God. But we have to, in order to do that, as James says, we've got to reject, uh, reject the idea that we can do both. That we can live by an earthly wisdom and live by a spiritually wisdom. You have got to be entirely led by the Spirit. Entirely dependent on His wisdom and not your own. Dependent on His wisdom and not the book's And the understanding, now see, I read a lot of books that teach me things. I read books written by unsaved people, and I learn things from them. But I don't try to gain wisdom from them. I may get some facts from there, but wisdom comes from God and God alone. True wisdom. You can study, you can go to school, and you can learn, but God will give you the wisdom. And that's what God did for Daniel. Daniel learned their language. He learned their math. He learned their science. And God gave him the extraordinary spirit to know what he needed to know and to know how to apply it. And he was the wisest of all of them. God has given us this ability to not depend on an earthly wisdom, but to depend on a heavenly wisdom. And it's available to all of us. In fact, God says it's fun for him to pick the foolish people, to, to, to shame the wise. It's available to us all, and, and it's, going to take, I mean, it's going to take something very clearly for you to just say, all right, I'm going to let him be my wisdom. And I am going to retrain my thought process. I'm going to retrain my decision-making process. And instead of looking to my, first to my mind, Instead of looking first to my earthly understanding, I'm going to inquire of the Lord and let Him give me wisdom. I'm going to ask Him, as Solomon asked, for a hearing heart. A heart that hears His voice. Because when you hear His voice, you're wise. And James says that very clearly. Now, when I say James says it, we know the Holy Spirit wrote it, right? James was the one who used the pen, but the Holy Spirit was the one speaking through him. And what did he say? What did the Holy Spirit say through James? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And God will give to you freely without reproach. This is a day and age where we need it more than ever. Amen? We need it. And God is not holding it back. He's not stingy. He's not greedy. He's not proud in the sense that he, he's afraid, you'll know. Because what did Satan lie to Adam and Eve? He said, he said, God just doesn't want you to be wise like him. You eat this fruit, you'll be wise like him. Fooey. That's not true. Wisdom is from above. 
It never comes from you. It never comes from the earth. It comes from the Spirit. If you can live out of the Spirit, you can be wise. Amen. Let's stand up. I pray that we're going to see a revolution of real wisdom. I believe it can start here. I believe it can start with our families. It start in our lives. Real, true, godly wisdom. Not the anti-faith. That <laughs> just says, that just says, well, don't you think you're, don't you think you're going too far out there? Let me just be the voice of wisdom here. But a real wisdom that says, I, I, I believe the Lord is able. I believe what he says. If he says it, I believe it. That's real wisdom. Real wisdom is saying, I know nothing except what's revealed. And thank God, he has revealed a lot. And he says, I am not holding anything back from you. If you'll ask, I'll give it to you. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. Wow, we serve a God that is not hoarding information and trying to keep it from us. He is not proprietary in his wisdom. He's not holding back and keeping trade secrets. He's revealing these things to his sons and daughters. And if we'll ask, he'll give. Amen? That's for your business. That's for your family. That's for the church. Because what happens when we embrace the wisdom that's from above? Strife ceases. Disorder ceases. Evil work ceases. Because we're not being selfish. We're not living by the world's wisdom. We're, we're kingdom wisdom people. And we think for, we live for a different purpose. So God, be exalted. Be honored. May your word be exalted in our lives. May it be glorified in our lives so that it is the first and foremost thing. That we would seek your wisdom, not the wisdom that's of the ages, not the wisdom that's of this world. Because for centuries, that wisdom got people nowhere but further from you. We seek the wisdom that comes from you. Lord, make us wise according to the Spirit. May we grow in wisdom and grow in mercy. May we grow in wisdom and grow in love. May we grow in wisdom and grow in truth. May we grow in wisdom and grow in gentleness and peace. Oh, Father. We are grateful. Give us a hearing heart. Give us a hearing heart. Father, for those, I pray right now for the business people that, that are running businesses, making decisions in businesses. God, that you would give them the wisdom that Joseph had. That you'd give them the wisdom that Daniel had. Which does not think the same way that everybody thinks. Which does not look for orthodox solutions which does not think inside the confines of what the business world deems acceptable, but seeks your plan and your vision. I pray that they would have favor in their sector, favor in their industry, favor in their companies, that they'd be able to walk by the wisdom of God. And though people may mock them, though they, though they may be derided, that the truth and the fruit of that wisdom would bear forth and people would see that it's of God. I pray that they'd have favor to, to run with the decisions you've given them. That you, if they have people over them, that those people would, just as they did with Joseph, just as they did with Daniel, that they'd recognize that there is a different spirit in these people. That they would be shown to be really wise. And a benefit and an asset to their companies. Lord, I pray for, for the families 
That as they raise their children, as they, as they walk in their, with their spouses, as they, as they communicate with their other family members, that they would walk in your wisdom, that they'd know how to do, they'd know how to speak in ways they couldn't speak. Lord, that they'd know how to deal with those kids like the world doesn't know. That they know how to discipline like you discipline, not, not as the world disciplines. God, I pray for the evangelists in the room. For those sons and daughters that are speaking your word and your gospel. Lord, that you give them the wisdom of the cross. The wisdom of the cross, which is the power of God. That they'd be so, so full of your utterance and your words. That they would not have to search their brain for their own words. But could mine their spirit for your words. That they could dig deep and know exactly what to say in every situation. That they'd be able to counsel with godly counsel. That they'd be able to pray with godly wisdom. Lord, as we pray, I pray that we'd pray as wise men and women. That we'd pray with the wisdom of God. That we would not spend hours and hours with vain repetition. Rambling on with fancy words. But you'd give us the wisdom of God to drive straight to the heart of the matter. By the Spirit of God. I pray, Lord, that we would have wisdom. As you said, that we would walk not as unwise men, but as wise men. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. I pray, Lord, that we would walk as wise men and women. That we would take advantage of every opportunity. That we would buy back the time that was stolen. That we would buy back the time that was wasted. And we'd see what your plan and purpose is for this generation. We'd see what your plan and purpose is and we'd walk in it. Oh, guys, I hear that. I hear that. That is what we are meant to do. The plans and purposes of God. He's calling his sons and daughters to see it. To see it. To see what you have not seen before. He wants you to see it. He wants to see you to see his plan. Oh, don't believe the lie that it's meant to be hidden. He is he has shown you the plan. He has shown you the vision. Pray that you would know where to walk, that you'd see the purposes and plans of God, that we may carry it out. Oh, I'm reminded of the verse in Ephesians that says that God has willed that his manifold wisdom would be made known through the church to the rulers and principalities in the heavenly places. That the church is the vessel that God is going to make His wisdom known to. And, the, and, and who's going to make it known to? We're going to make it known to the principalities of the heavenlies. We're going to make it known. And the enemy's going to bow his knee to the wisdom of God as the church walks in the plan of God, as the church walks in the counsel of the holy, as the church walks hearing the voice of God by the spirit, not by the flesh, not by the senses, not by what they understand by their senses, not by what they see, not by what they feel, not by what they hear, but purely by the voice of God and an open eye, an eye that is clear. So the whole body is full of light. We are going to go deeper. We're going to go higher. We are meant to be the ones that have eyes open. Open your eyes. Open our eyes. Praise Jesus. Look at this. Look at this. 
It says this. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. God says if you wake up, you'll be wise. If you stay asleep, you'll be unwise. If we wake up, we walk in the light. If we close our eyes and try to live like the rest of the world, we are in darkness. But we have not been called to darkness. We've been set free from darkness. Our eyes have been opened. It says, awake sleeper and rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, because he has shone on us, because we are awake, we don't have to walk unwise, but we walk as wise people, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, which is foolishness is the opposite of wisdom. But what does it say? But understand what the will of the Lord is. What does this tell me? In order to be wise, I have to know what the will of the Lord is. A wise man knows the will of the Lord and walks it out and redeems and buys back the time because the days are evil, but we're not. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. We receive your word with joy. We receive it with gladness and a sincere heart. We walk it out. We will walk wise by the Spirit. By the eyes of the Spirit, not the eyes of the flesh. By the ears hearing your voice and not the sounds of the world. Your sheep hear your voice and they follow because they know your voice. And a stranger, they simply will not follow because they do not know his voice. We refuse to know any other voice besides yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.